how can I put this? I could do this day in history every day, right? This day in history, there's always something going on. But it doesn't always mean it's interesting, right? But my friends, this day in sports history is amazing. It's so amazing. It's so unbelievable. Some of the things that happened on this day that we are not only going to dedicate one segment to it, we're going to dedicate two segments to it in one way. Because it was on this day when one of the greatest press conference moments in the history of the world. Practice. We sitting here, I supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. I mean, it, listen, we're talking about practice. It's on this day, May 7th, 2002, when that happened. So our top six list today, we'll wake up the voice guy later. Number one. And give you the top six, my favorite press conference moments. That is certainly on the list, but what else is there? And there are some incredible sports achievements that happened on this day that we have got to dedicate the proper time to. So we'll do that later in the show. But I want to start with what we will get tonight, what we're already starting to get. It is NFL schedule release day, to which I I will say a couple of things off the bat here. Because with the arrival of NFL schedule day, comes NFL Schedule Day guys. Or gals, for that matter. But if you are one who is out there criticizing the excitement of the NFL schedule being released in full, well, they already knew who they were playing, you know. They already knew the home and away games, you know. You know what I got for you? You know what I got for you? Why don't you get, get real close to the radio here? Just 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 come right over here, because you know what I got for you? I got a big old hot cup of shut the hell up! That's what I got for you! Yeah, we know that! But you know what it is? You know what it is? You know what it is? Listen. You know what it is? You hear that? It's football! It's football! Yes, technically it's just lining up dates and times and what broadcast channel they're going to be on, but it's football! It is football, it is my opportunity, it is your opportunity, it is your opportunity as an American to look at that schedule and give an irrational take on said schedule. Because you know what that is? That is sports talk. It's real sports talk. That's something I would normally be doing today. So if you want to be that guy, you know what I say to you? You know what I say to you? Go the hell away. That's what I say to you. But there's another NFL schedule release guy, or gal, that's out there. And that NFL schedule release guy is, is on social media, and that is the person that is upset in some way that goes at the reporters that are doing their jobs and reporting the games that they can confirm that are on the schedule. Because we know, and if you get upset at me about what I'm about to reveal to you, particularly as a fan of one of these two teams, all I can tell you is seek help. Or not that I would ever tell you not to listen to the show for some sort of spoiler alert, but if you are eagerly anticipating the three-hour reveal of the schedule, that's right, three hours, ESPN, NFL Network tonight at 8 o'clock, and you don't want to be spoiled about what's on your schedule... I don't know what to tell you. You need to seek help. You have been in quarantine too long, but this happens every year with people. Uh, Perhaps stay off Twitter, right? Or 
it doesn't really matter that much. I love football. I love schedule release day. I love the anticipation of it. I love the discussion of it. It's the first real look at, look, the schedule matters, as we'll get into here shortly. But if it gets revealed to you, for example, it has been confirmed that the Bills open at the Jets. Reverse that. Jets open at the Bills week one. If that upsets you to know that, four hours ahead of time, I, I don't really know what to tell you, by the way. The Bills make me want to shout. Oh, yeah. You bring it. You bring it, Jets fans. Now, this, this schedule release day is unique because the NFL is putting out the schedule as if they're going to play a full 17-week schedule, and I think there's healthy skepticism out there that they're going to get to do that. But look, through this pandemic, through the two months now, it has been almost two months we have not had sports as normal. Things are starting to slowly but surely come back, as we have discussed. But through this two months, the NFL has won this whole thing. Now, they have the benefit of not having games. The NFL is used to owning the offseason. They're good at this game. They've played it a couple of times, right? But the way the draft was presented, I think the way people will be excited about the schedule, the thought and the hope it creates about football arriving in the fall, that's always what they're selling this time of the year. But boy, are they! it is like Clorox wipes, man. You can't keep it on the shelf right now. The hope that football presents to football fans in an offseason is already high. Everybody's even today. So we had the draft. Everybody gets fired up about that because, of course, the player you took in the first round and that left tackle you took in the third round, I mean, 12 and 4, right? But now you get to irrationally look at the dates and times lined up and say, told you, 12 and 4. That's what football fans do. That's what sports fans do. So can you let me live in my little bubble here and not interject with, you know, facts? Well, yeah, they already knew who they were playing on the sketch. I, 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 just shut up. There's always that guy, right? There's just always got to be that freaking guy. Can I just can I just have my moment here? Can I could can I just please live in my bubble of irrational thought here? Cuz clearly when I get a full look at the 2020 Buffalo Bills schedule, the 16 and 0 run that this team is about to go on, can I just have that? It's just dates and times in a, in the list of what channels they're on. Yes, that that's what it is, and I would like that, please. There's some interesting things on the schedule. There's always some interesting things about where teams are going to land. Like certain teams, you know, are going to be in prime time. But Tom Brady is with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think it is safe to say they're going to be in prime time a little bit more than usual. Does that mean New England is in prime time less, or will the interest? still be there on Sunday night football, Monday night football, the Thursday night games. In this Patriots team, sans Tom Brady, will there be enough intrigue? Will there be enough of the love-hate factor, the audience that the Patriots draws to see how they're doing without Brady? Will teams like the Buffalo Bills get more primetime appearances? I believe they're going to get three. Always a risk, always interesting how that schedule gets put together because of how there's certain teams that always draw audiences. The Dallas Cowboys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, New England Patriots, the Green Bay Packers. 
but the teams that are kind of on the upstart. Look, they put the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving last year, beat the Dallas Cowboys' highest-rated regular season game. Just saying, right? So let me have my moment. Let me see how it plays out. Obviously, the schedule is going to take on a little bit more of importance this year. The schedule is always interesting and who you open up with, how, where are those moments where you're playing, you know, three road games here. There's always a team that you look at the schedule, it's like, boy, they're not going to be home for like 38 days. How travel plays into it. Who's making the most West Coast trips, East Coast trips. Like, this stuff matters. It matters more this year because you've got an offseason, particularly those that are integrating new coaching staffs, new philosophies, new players in new places. I mean, Tom Brady is a savvy vet, but he's still got to establish things. He's still got to get in sync with his new teammates. And, And Tom Brady's not exactly a spring chicken here. So how will the lack of prep and practice time and the usual goings-on in the offseason that way affect things? Well, the schedule matters there. Because if you're an experienced team that's in lockstep and will need less time to get back on the same page, schedule matters and how it's played out, who you early, based on if you get off to a good start, how you can kind of build some, some leverage there. Just let me have my football talk. Is that okay with you? I think that's okay with you. I think that's okay with a lot of people out there. But there's always got to be that guy, right? It's, it's just, just go away. I'm tired of Netflix. Watched a great Jerry Seinfeld special last night. I will tell you that. It was excellent. And I'm re-watching The West Wing, and that's great. And occasionally some sort of sports thing is on that grabs my attention or some great movies, and, and that's that's fine, and that's you know all, all fine and dandy, but... The NFL schedule day is something that gives me the irrational hope that I deserve as a sports fan. So could we not could we not make fun of that, please? I would appreciate that. And I thank football fans out there, my fellow football fans, that are all going 16-0 and 0 this year. But certainly appreciate that. Okay? Can... One thing that won't be happening there, though, is the... You get the schedule, right? And particularly if you're a fan base that knows they're going to Vegas, this was usually the day you'd hop right on kayak or whatever your favorite travel site is, and you'd book that hotel and you'd book that trip. It's like, we know we're going to Vegas, we just don't know when. See, things like schedule release dates give us those details. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know if you can do that now, right? Hesitation based on what will travel be like, what will the fan situation be like, Certainly, there's some people out there financially where the belt's a little tighter these days. So that part of it will be kind of a bummer, right? Because if you're somebody that used schedule release day to travel that, uh, to, pardon me, to book that travel with your buddies, there's always a road trip you go on. There's always a game you know you're going to go be in the visiting stadium. Even if it's like a Bills fan going to see the Jets in New York, or like I said, there's a cool place you've always wanted. Hey, man, I've always wanted to go to... You know what I regret? I had a chance to go Bill Seattle Monday Night Football a couple years ago, and I didn't go, and it I should have, because how often are you going to just going to be in that stadium? And what other motivation would you have to do that? So stuff like that. Maybe you don't get that tonight, but it's football. It's laid out. 
there's uh, rumbles out there in the schedule release world, again, spoiler alert, that they could be playing on Christmas this year, which isn't anything new. But what's interesting about that is Christmas is on a Friday. And Christmas Day, that's usually the NBA's corner, right? That's usually their day. Football just kind of gets out of the way, unless it's on a Sunday. So you have your day. Well, Christmas is on a Friday this year. The National Football League may be anticipating that their schedule might be pushed ahead a little bit, delayed a little bit. Who knows what the NBA is going to be doing on Christmas Day. That could be the start of their season this year. They can't finish the current one that's on pause. But if that's true and we get that confirmed tonight that the NFL moved up some games to Christmas, that's that's a flex right there. huh? NBA, I know it's usually your day, but uh, we're going to take that too. (laughs) It's as if the... National Football League looked out there and said, what are like the two or three things left that we don't own? Ooh, Christmas. We're taking Christmas back. Former Syracuse basketball star, led the Big East in scoring at one time, now working his way into the broadcasting world. Uh, Demetrius Nichols is back with us here on the block ESPN Radio. How are you, sir? I'm well. How are you? I'm holding up well. How's life in quarantine going? (laughs) Life in quarantine is pretty well. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm spending time with family. I'm working out downstairs in my basement. I'm actually actually working out with my wife and my two daughters. So that's pretty fun. I'm, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm catching up with family and friends, you know, back home in New York and Boston, uh, making sure that they're healthy and they're safe. And I'm watching old film of myself and other older players that I like to watch. I'm just trying to stay, trying to stay fresh, trying to stay relevant in the game. So when you're watching that film, are you just doing it uh, for fun to pass the time, or are you looking for anything specific in that that maybe can help you out uh, maybe this summer with Bayheim's Army? For sure. Uh, so both. So I usually watch myself, well, I started watching myself maybe i say six, seven years ago, and I realized that I started to become a better player because, I'm, because now I'm able to put a mental picture in my mind before the game is played, so now I know, okay, how can I get this shot off a little bit better? How can I be on balance? How how can I become a better rebounder? Or how can I play better defense? What can I could have done in that position during that time? And as a player, as a you know, as a basketball junkie, there's always something to learn and that's and I think that's good advice for young players, young athletes who play any sport is a good way to get better. Obviously, you want to go in the gym or go in a weight room and get better physically, but you can also get better by watching yourself on film because film doesn't lie. So that's what I've been doing. And I've been teaching my daughter how to watch herself and how to watch other players that she likes to look up to and figure out how she can get better in her game. Interesting. Now, how old is she? She's 12. So she's just that's that age where... You kind of figure out, like, hey, sports was fun, but you really get committed to it. You really can do these types of things and understand that their brains are still a sponge. My daughter is about that age, and I've noticed that with her. She's not really an athlete. She plays field hockey, but she's more into dance and other things. You can really kind of start to see the wheels turn in their head about learning about the sport. So that's great. Who are some of the other players that you've been watching other than yourself? So, obviously, Kobe Bryant, one of my favorite players, and Michael Jordan. You know, Michael Jordan is something 
that always I keep, you know, in my top five archives and my, you know, in my DVDs and stuff like that. So, you know, I always watch the greats, Magic Johnson, Ray Allen, obviously LeBron James, Kevin Durant. But I like the old school guys because you can learn so much in such a little time just by watching how they get open and how they get the defenders off them, they get the rebound and stuff like that. If you look at Scottie Pippen, he was a switch, switch army knife for the Chicago Bulls where he was the second best player, but he was also the best defensive player. And, and he helped the team tremendously to win all those championships in Chicago. You brought up Jordan. I'm sure you're watching the yeah. documentary along with everybody else. And what I'm really enjoying about this, Demetrius, to be honest with you, is not to be that that old guy in the room, but all you youngsters that want to LeBron James me all day, uh-uh, now, yeah. now you're seeing why, right? You're seeing why Jordan's the best of all time. Oh, tell me about it. You know, you know, Jordan, Jordan, like you said, is the best of all time. And, and you know, you know, he's an average guy. You know, like he gave, you know, he gives the average person hope and belief that you can do whatever you put your mind to. This is a guy that got cut from his high school team and went on to win the national championship in college, getting the game-winning shot, and then going to the NBA, winning six championships. And the thing, the thing about him is what I look at is his, his key to success is, is his preparation. And he succeeded because he prepared mentally and physically you know, you can go back with the Bulls versus the Detroit Pistons, where the Detroit Pistons used to beat him up. So he said, all right, well, I have to get in the weight room. You know, you can go with the Knicks when, you know, that was kind of a rivalry with the Bulls versus the Knicks. And then being able to give give his team life and come back and win three more championships, it's just a, it's just a believable story. Well, a, a unbelievable story to just see and witness. And I'm just happy and grateful that I was able to watch him play and, you know, try and try to model myself after him as much as I could in high school and college. Demetrius, what really stands out to me looking back on that, amongst many other things, are the memories that come flooding back. And not maybe to the extreme of the bad boys, but the game was so much more physical when Michael Uh, Jordan played. And I think that's what really, amongst a lot of things we can have the debate about, makes what he did so much more impressive because what's a foul now in the game, how it's called versus then, it, it's a yeah. world of difference. Exactly. And and if you look at it, Jordan, you know, he didn't come into the NBA shooting threes. He came into the NBA attacking the basket, and he was still able to attack the basket and finish high and dunk on people and make plays in the air when he knows that, the opposing team's defense is particularly to stop him. And he was still able to get to the rim and finish and win a whole bunch of games when the media doubted him and saying that he couldn't win because he was selfish. And he changed his game to be more of a team player. Like, it's just a beautiful, a beautiful story. And I always love watching him and I always love hearing him talk. And whenever he gives, gives advice, you're always going to get some type of nuggets in there. So I always try to take notes whenever I see them on TV. What do you remember about when you experienced it the first time around? So you come to Syracuse, you know, kind of right off the, the end there of what we're watching right now, that 98 team. And, of course, you played a couple of years with, with the Wizards there. But what, what, what brings to mind in terms of when you were experiencing it the first time watching Michael Jordan and, and how much maybe you idolized him at, at that time at, at that age? 
Well, it's funny. I started playing basketball late. I started playing basketball between 12 and 13 years old. And I wasn't that good. You know, like I said, I, I started kind of playing late. I was uncoordinated. I was, you know, 110 pounds. And I remember I used to go home after school and I would watch his tapes over and over and over again. And some people are visual learners, and I'm one of those people. And I can visualize something. So if I see something on TV, I can do it. And that's one of the things that I did. I visualized myself. I imagined myself. I tried to model myself after him so many times when I was on the court. And he's a big key to my success, even though I don't know him personally. But in my mind, in my spirit, I know him because I modeled him like every other you know, basketball junkie did if they were smart enough to do. <laughs> Demetrius Nichols is our guest, a former Orangeman, and getting the band back together. You're the latest confirmed member of Bayheim's Army, Demetrius. So we got yeah. Eric Devendorf, Tyler Lydon, Brandon Trish, Malachi Richardson, and you. And boy, when I hear those names, the first thing that pops out to me is there's a lot of shooters in that bunch right there. Shoot your jumper. Shoot your jumper. So we have a lot of guys that obviously, you know, you know, like you said, that can shoot it. But we also have guys like Evan Devendorf, Malachi Richardson, Brandon Trish that can put the ball on the floor and make plays for themselves. Me and Tyler Lighting can also, you know, shoot the ball, but we can also play the four and five if teams want to go small. So we're very, very versatile. And I'm excited to play with these young guys because out of the out of the four of the guys, I I only played with Eric Devendorf and Brandon Trish. So I'm excited to play with Tyler Lighting and the Malachi Richardson because those are the young guys, and I want to see what they have. And I think they can really, really help us um, as a unit to be versatile. They're young, they're athletic, and you can tell that they want to go out there and play the game. If this all works out, Demetrius, you guys could be one of the first sporting events allowed out there to play in the summertime in the window where Bayheim's Army and the basketball tournament usually gets out there. I know it's... A lot of uncertainty right now, but what have they told you about that plan, how you would play, maybe without fans? I don't know. What's what's kind of the plan right now, given the, the, the circumstances we're in? Well, the TBT is planning like it's going to happen, and that's, and that's what we talked about, you know, uh, preparation and preparing. We don't know for sure if it's going to happen, but if it is going to happen, I think it's going to be great for, for TV, for for ESPN is going to be great for the fans here in Syracuse because this is a Syracuse basketball town. So why not be one of the first things to going off in the summertime is watching former players play to represent orange and blue and, 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 and really, you know, give the fans something to cheer about and come together with. Now, if they play as planned, and we hope you do, because it's always a fun event to watch. Uh, you were in the broadcast chair last year, and you know, as you as you well know, I should say, they came up a little short, even with the home court advantage, which speaks to the competitiveness of this event. So, coming out of the broadcast booth, back on the court, what are the things early on you're thinking about? Bayheim's Army has to do to have a longer run. Well, we have to play as a unit. That's one. So everybody is a piece of a puzzle. And some pieces are bigger than others, but every piece is important. And it's like putting a puzzle together. So we have to work together, but defensively we have to be on the same page at all times. 
on on offense, guys are going to get shots, guys are going to miss shots, but defensively, we have to be on the same page, and it starts with the preparation of looking yourself in the mirror, putting the pride aside, putting the ego aside, and understanding that this is for a cause to try to win every single game so we can get the prize. So I think the biggest key is just playing as a unit and playing together. Are you a fan of the Elam ending? We actually saw it used at the NBA All-Star game this year and created a lot of drama in there. I, I, it's kind of growing on me. At first, I, I, I like the idea it's different and it makes it stand out. And But for now, it's it. I, I almost wish it was it was a bigger part of the game in some ways. I wish it was. It, it, we'd see it more. Well, I'm a big fan of the Eli Elam because I was one of the players who you know made a shot back in Brooklyn a couple of years ago. Right. And, and I didn't realize how big it was until I made the shot. And I didn't know that the game was going to be over. But, but I'm a big fan of it. And I watched how they did it this, uh, this past year in the All-Star game. And I think it's a great idea because it keeps the game interesting. And as a player, it keeps you motivated to play. Because it, like, it doesn't matter if you are down 10 or if you are down 5. You can still win with stops, and everybody's on their feet from players, coaches, and fans. I think it's a great way to bring some excitement to the game because sometimes the game could be boring when the team is getting blown out and you know a team is going to win by 20. But with the Eli Minden, there's always – you never know what would happen. So I think it will continue to grow, and I think it's a good thing couple more here with our friend Demetrius Nichols on the block ESPN Radio. Uh, how are you, by the way, Demetrius? I mean, committing to play, you're ready, you're good to go, but I know you had an injury situation, and it was one of the more difficult injuries you had to recover from, right? How did, how did that go, and, and what was that process like? So I had reconstructive surgery on my ankle. That's one of the reasons why I didn't play for Bayhams Army this past summer. And, and I said, this is a good opportunity for me to you know, get into broadcasting and work and work with uh, my main man, Higo, which did a great job helping me out, you know, really, you know, uh, helping me get used to the microphone and the radio and stuff like that. So, um, but so far I'm good. I'm all healed up. I work out every day and I try to try my best to stay in shape and maintain my weight while I'm quarantined with my family. So far, so good. And, you know, me and my daughter go outside and shoot Shoot, shoot in the backyard and try to try to stay in shape as much as I can. Uh, but everything is good. I'm all healthy and I'm ready to go. That's good to hear. Demetrius, uh, before we let you go, I always like to get your thoughts on this current Syracuse basketball team thinking ahead. And it's been an interesting offseason. Jalen Carey transfers out. Howard Washington Jr. transfers out. Bryson Goodine transfers out. We know Elijah Hughes is committing to the NBA. They're awaiting the transfer waiver on Alan Griffin, the guy they brought in from Illinois. So there's still some things that kind of have to come together. But generally, when you start to turn the page to next year, what are you thinking with this squad? Well, with the new guys coming in, Woody Newton, Kadiri Richmond, and like you said, Alan Griffin, I think these three guys can really, really help this team. If you look at Newton, he's a 6'5", solid shooter that can put the ball on the floor a little bit. He's like a Swiss Army knife where he can guard multiple positions and he's long enough to get his hands in the passing lane, and that's going to help Syracuse in the backcourt. 
And you look at the kid, Roy Richmond from Brooklyn, he went from, I think, he grew like two inches in his past year. He went from 6'5 to 6'7. He's a combo forward that can play the 1, 2, and a 3. Uh, he has great court vision, tacks the rim, finishes strong. He kind of has the body of, of a uh, Paul Harris. Uh, but, but what sticks out for me is that he can rebound. You know, he's a big guard that can rebound. So he's going to be one of those guards at the free throw line that's going to help the bigs in the backcourt rebound, push the ball, and he's able to get out on the floor and pass the ball to wide-open shooters like Buddy Beheim and JG3. Um, so we'll see what happens. Demetrius, it's great to catch up. Continued luck and success to you. It'll be exciting to see the uh, future teammates you're going to have here on Bayheim's Army as that announcement continues. But uh, stay safe and healthy, and we'll catch up down the road, my friend. I appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime.